Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands under the Lord before you're seated. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. While we have the changing of the guard here. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm told that we're, we're free to do a soundtrack, so I'm wanting to do that. Hallelujah. There's a song that I wrote m many years ago, a long time ago. I don't even remember for sure how long. It got pushed off of uh, one album after the other, and um, uh, but we finally, we finally nailed it this last time we recorded. And uh, it's a song that's entitled, He Died Saving Me. And uh, this is another one of those where we get to have Sister Darcy up here. Hallelujah. Praise God. So listen to the words of this song. Amen. It says, He could have turned the stones to bread to quench his gnawing hunger. He could have poured out the bitter cup or passed it on to another. He could have called a million angels with bloody swords to fight, but Jesus would not cry for help. So all alone he faced that dreadful night. He did not come to save himself, but Jesus came to save the world. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad Jesus went to Calvary for you? Crank it up. Hallelujah. He could have turned the stones to bread to quench his gnawing hunger. He could have poured out the bitter cup or passed it on to another. He could have called a million angels with bloody swords to fight, but Jesus would not cry for help. So all alone he faced that dreadful night. He did not come to save himself, but Jesus came to save the world. He would not curse his enemies. He drank no gall to soothe his hurt. And when they cried, save thyself and come down from the tree. He did nothing to save himself, but Jesus died saving me.
a song that I, I was thinking about this morning. I don't know if you folks know it or not, but it's called uh, I Claim the Blood Jesus Shed on Calvary. Uh, we, we first learned it when my oldest son married a Canadian girl, and her father came down to uh, uh, for the time of the, the marriage and all that. He came to Arizona just before that, and he preached for us, and he taught us this song, and I guess it's a song that had been around for quite a while, but we didn't know it. But uh, it's a song that has blessed our hearts since that time. It, I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Just listen to it a little bit, then you can join in and sing with us. Hallelujah. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains were meant there just for me. For all my sin, all my sin, all my sickness and my pain. When I need healing, I claim those precious bloodstains. Oh, I claim the blood. Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious bloodstains were meant there just for me. For all my sin, all my sin, all my sickness and my pain. When I need healing, I claim those precious bloodstains. Hallelujah. Well, now you have it. Hallelujah. At least you've heard it. Praise God. Amen. Thank God for the precious blood. Amen. <clears throat> Sister Danae is going to sing before I preach an on-time God. Hallelujah. Worship with me as I sing. I'll sing better if you do. <laughs>
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. He is an on-time God. Sometimes his timing is not our timing, but he always gets there on time. Hallelujah. Praise God. While you're standing, we'll read from the word of the Lord. It's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And um, I hope you're ready for the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I, I want to accomplish two things with this message today. Uh, I'd like for the church to us to get a fresh revelation of the blood and what it means to us. Praise God. Wouldn't you like that? Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus is precious. You know, the world has no clue why we sing like we do and, and preach like we do about the blood of Jesus. It seems kind of weird, and I'm sure you've heard that some denominations have uh, taken the blood songs out of their songbooks because it's too gross or whatever. But uh, we have an understanding, a revelation of the blood. But also today, if there's someone here that has not surrendered your life to Jesus, no matter what your age, amen, if, you, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, I give an altar call at the close of this message. And this is a wonderful day and time, amen, for you to prepare your heart to meet God. Hallelujah. And it's only through the blood of Jesus that we can be cleansed from sin and be prepared to meet God. Our sins have separated us from God, but the blood of Jesus can bridge the gap. Hallelujah. I wrote a song one time. It's called The Invisible Bridge. How a man couldn't get to Jesus, but the blood Amen. Span the gap between a sinless Lord and a sinful man. The invisible bridge of blood. And the Lord wants to do that work here today. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15. Hallelujah. And then read from the book of John chapter 3 verses 14 and 15. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful uh, layout in the Word of God. Same chapter and verses in the Old and New Testaments. Like one fellow said, bless God, the King James Version was good enough for the Apostle Peter. It's good enough for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad you laughed. That gets me off the hook. Hallelujah. <clears throat> this is Genesis 3, 14 and 15. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, everybody say the serpent. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now that verse of scripture is uh, a little tough to understand, but it is a very valuable scripture. It's known as the first prophecy of the Messiah in the Bible, Genesis 3.15. That's pretty quick. Hallelujah, that we're getting to that point. Hallelujah. And I have Abbott's dynamic equivalent here. Amen. To help you understand, I hope it helps you. Amen. To the serpent, God said, I'm going to cause an ongoing struggle between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. You, Satan, will have power to afflict mankind. But there will come one born of a woman who will bruise your head and give victory over sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God promised that there would come one born of a woman who would give us the victory. And thank God we know who that is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In the New Testament, amen. Jesus to Nicodemus in uh, John chapter 3. Amen. And verse 14 and 15. Hallelujah. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, everybody say the serpent, in the wilderness. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Bye. Uh -huh. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. You'll notice in both of these passages that there is a snake involved. Amen. And when I preach this message to kids, I call it the devil is a snake. And when I preach it to fancy folks like you, I call it the antitoxin for the serpent serum. So which, whichever one you can get a hold of here today, amen. I want to preach about the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's thank him, amen, for his word today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time in the service. Thank you for the preaching of your word. Thank you, Lord. God, for your blessings to your people. Open up our hearts. Give us understanding. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the Lamb of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I've collected snake stories most of my life. Um, most of us have a dreadful fascination with snakes. You don't see a lot of them, but uh, they're, they can be pretty scary. Uh, quite a few years ago, about 10 years ago, Danae was about 10 years old. Uh, we were working in the backyard, cleaning up the backyard, and I noticed that over the wall, uh, we live in Arizona, uh, in the desert scape there next to us that's owned by the city of Scottsdale that s there was some trash over there and I figured it was some of our stuff blown over the wall and so I said Danae let me help you over the wall here and you pick up that stuff and get it back to me and so uh, I put her over the wall and and uh, she picked up the various pieces of trash and then I said that that little piece of plywood there was about a uh, I don't know a, a, a two by four uh, piece of plywood and uh, I, I said, pick that up and hand it to me, and we'll get rid of that. And she lifted it up, and when she did, I saw there was a coil rattlesnake underneath it. And so, you know, trying to remember the instructions, I said calmly, uh, Danae, let that piece of plywood back down. And <laughs> she looked under there, and brother, she didn't need any more instruction. Amen. She dropped that thing on that rattlesnake's head and scrambled over the wall. Didn't need any help getting over the wall. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we know that there is a deadly bite awaiting there. Amen. <clears throat> My uh, cousin one time many, many years ago, a cousin I haven't seen in I don't know how many years. I probably wouldn't even know him if I saw him now. But uh, lived in Morton, Texas, Randall Tanner. And uh, he, he was going down to milk the cows early one morning, stepped on a rattlesnake, and it struck at him. It scared him so bad. He ran back to the house where his mom was fixing breakfast. He burst in the door and was telling her the story, and he looked down, and in the rubber toe of his tennis shoe, the fangs of the rattlesnake were stuck in the toe of his shoe. That's how close he came to getting it. And uh, I heard a story just real recently. I was preaching in North Dakota, and a lady there said she was a nurse in the hospital in South Dakota at the time, and there was an Indian family that lived up in the hills out of where she lived there and uh, one of the two boys that belonged to this family uh, he had stepped on a rattlesnake and it struck him uh, and, and he was wearing cowboy boots but it went right through the leather of the boot and, and struck him in the leg and uh, he died as a result of that snake bite but then she said that uh, according to what she was told that the younger son after that boy was gone, he put on the boots of his brother to wear them, and the fangs were still in the leather of the boots, and he also died as a result of the poison from that snake bite. And uh, I was preaching one time for Brother Brown in Avondale and uh, telling some snake stories, and, and a guy kind of spoke up, like they're want to do in that church. And, and he said, yeah, they can make you hurt yourself too. And I didn't want to stop in the middle of my message and hold a conversation with him. But I asked him after church, I said, what do you mean by that? 
and he said right there in that area, Avondale, Buckeye, Arizona, there was a guy just crawled back into his uh, truck on a construction site, and he felt something crawling up his pant leg. And he, he knew it felt like a snake, and so he grabbed where he thought the neck was and, and, and held it uh, as it was coming up his pants, and, and he was screaming for help, and nobody was hearing him, and nobody was responding. So he looked around in the truck for something that he could do, and he, the only thing he saw was a small sledgehammer. And so he picked it up and began to beat where he thought the head of the snake was, and he broke his leg in four places. And it ended up being a harmless snake. <laughs> but they can make you hurt yourself. That's the moral of that story. Amen. <clears throat> but years ago, I was preaching, and a lady told me she uh, had a pet calf when she was young. She lived in this, and I, I don't remember even what part of the country this was in, but it was obviously snake country. She was going down to feed her calf in the morning, and a snake struck her in the lower leg. And she ran back up into the little village where they lived, and there was an old man there who whittled all the time, kept his knife very sharp. He had her to lay down on the ground, and he, he made incisions where the snake had bitten her and got her to bleeding and squeezing her leg and pumping out some of the, the blood and poison and saved her life. She said another man, an old gentleman in that same village was not so lucky. He was down on hands and knees pulling weeds out of his garden and a rattlesnake struck him in the nose. And within two hours, she told me, his head was twice its normal size and he was a dead man. So that's why we have fear of snakes, because they have a deadly bite. They have a deadly serum. And, and, uh, but it's not as bad as it one time was and not as bad as it is in some countries of the world today in America because they have discovered a thing called the antitoxin. And I read about that in Encyclopedia Britannica. And it, it, it's a strange deal, but to create the antitoxin, they use a healthy animal, like a horse. And they have to have, of course, the rattlesnake, if it's a rattlesnake or whatever kind of snake it might be. But they have to have the, the snake to produce the antitoxin. They take from its glands some of the poison, put it in a needle, and they inject it into this very healthy animal, just a small amount of it. And it makes the old horse sick, and he gets wobbly and feels like laying down for a while. But on the inside of him, there is a war going on, and his blood is fighting against that poison. And because he only got a small amount of it, his blood conquers over that poison and creates an antitoxin. And then they inject him again, and, and it becomes stronger. And they inject him again several times. They do this until inside that horse, amen, there is a strong agent against that particular poison. The biologists are able to take some of that blood and separate out the antitoxin. And when someone comes into the hospital, if they can identify what snake it was, then they can go to the coal cabinet and bring out the antitoxin and inject that person, and that antitoxin will defeat the poison. And what I read just recently is that out of some 800 cases of reported snake bite in America annually, there are only one or two deaths, and largely because of the antitoxin that is stored up in the coal cabinet waiting for uh, help uh, for that person to come in. Hallelujah. Amen. And the devil is a snake. And he has a deadly serum. And that serum is called sin in the Bible. Hallelujah. And he has been very effective in using that terrible serum on this world. So much so that the Bible says nobody has escaped. Amen. The scripture says in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you even did no sin, you still would be dying. Because the Bible says in Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon them all because all have sinned. Amen. Amen. By one man sin, the Bible says, death passed upon all men. 
We know now through the scriptures that sin is translated from one generation to another. It is transferred down upon us just like your blue eyes or brown eyes came from your parents or grandparents. Amen. You also got a sin nature from your parents and all the way back to Adam. Wherefore, by one man, sin entered into the world. And so there's no escaping it. You may even be unaware that, of the fact that you're a sinner, but that doesn't stop the process. I was uh, traveling in Idaho a few years back, and I read in the newspaper there that a, a, a man and his little boy had gone fishing. And uh, they were at a shady cove on the river, and uh, they weren't catching anything. And so the father said, let's go on downstream and see if we can find a better fishing hole. And the little boy said, Dad, let me stay here. It was so cool. It was a hot summer day. Let me stay here. And so the father saw no harm in that, so he left him there to fish. And he went on downstream a ways. Amen. And a stranger came by a little while later, the paper said. And he just was making small talk to the little boy. How's it going, son? How's the fishing going? And the little boy looked at perplexed. He was 10 years old. He said, not so well, sir. He said, every time I try to bait my hook, he said, these worms keep biting me. And the man started to walk on. Then he thought, what a strange thing for a boy to say. And he turned back. And he said, where did you get those worms? And he said, I turned over a rock and found them. And he pointed to his little coffee can. It was full of baby rattlesnakes. And every time he would stick his hand in there, those little snakes were striking him on the hand. The man picked him up and headed for his car to take him to the hospital. But he was too late. The little boy died en route to the hospital. But he was innocent. He, he thought they were just worms. He, he didn't know. You might be one of those today that just doesn't know how bad sin is. And you think you're going to get by. Amen. But I'm preaching to you today the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That there is only one remedy, amen, for the sin question, and that is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. But thank God there is a remedy. The devil is a snake and sin is a reality, but thank God there is an antitoxin. Hallelujah. Sin is categorized in the Bible in 1 John 2, 15 through 17 in three ways. Amen. Three categories, and I believe that you can lump all of sin into these three categories. The lust of the flesh, our appetites, the lust of the eyes drawn by what we see, and the pride of life. That's our ego, our, our, our desire for recognition and acclaim. Sin can be categorized in those three categories. The Bible says, love not the world, John said. Love not the world, neither the things in the world, for all the things in the world are going to pass away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and so God knew about the antitoxin a long time before modern science rediscovered it. And the story that was referred to by Jesus in the second text that I read comes from the book of Numbers, amen, the 21st chapter. And it says that uh, the people spake against God. This was Israel. They spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread and there is no water. Our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, amen, among the people. And they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. These were poisonous snakes that were coming among God's people. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that shall be bitten when they have looked upon it, they shall live. And Moses sent, made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if the serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. I used to read that as a young man, and I thought, what an interesting thing. Uh, it, it just seemed so wrong that God would put up a brazen serpent. He would put a snake on a pole, for them to look to, and then they would be healed when they looked at the snake. But God knew that the only place you can get an antitoxin is from the snake. That's the only way you can get it. 
And the Bible also said that Jesus Christ was going to be lifted up just like that snake was lifted up in the wilderness, that Christ would be lifted up on that tree. Hallelujah. Amen for us. Thank you, Jesus. So if you could see this world today through God's eyes, you wouldn't see businessmen in their suits with their leather briefcases. You wouldn't see women at Walmart chatting with one another. You wouldn't see children scrambling and praying on the, on the playground. You wouldn't see religious folk at church, but you would see a dying world, a world infected, a world, amen, bitten by that awful snake bite and dying, a dying world. But thank God, into that dying world came a spotless lamb. Hallelujah. Into that dying world came a spotless lamb. Hallelujah. And I forgot to tell you this part, but a few years ago I read in the newspaper in our area that at ASU, Arizona State University, they have started using sheep to make the antitoxin and saying that it's a better antitoxin than that from a horse. And, and I said, thank you. That helps my message. Amen. Because... John the Baptist didn't say, Behold the horse of God. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. And one day a lamb came into this world. Hallelujah. And like the little tale says, his fleece was white as snow. When the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4 and 4, God sent forth his Son made of a woman. God had said to that serpent in the beginning, there shall come one from the seed of the woman who shall bruise your head. And one day born of a woman, in fact, born of a virgin, so that he had no tainted blood in him. His blood did not come from Adam, but it came from God himself. Hallelujah. Amen. Into this world came a spotless lamb, and his fleece was white as snow. Amen. Peter said of him in, in, in 1 Peter 2 and 22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And the testimony of all of those that knew him best, amen, there was no sin found in him. He was that spotless lamb. And therefore John the Baptist announced him, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. He had grown up among them and he was loved by them. The Bible says he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. The Bible says he was full of grace. He was beautiful and the crowds loved him, but the devil hated him. And the devil tried to wipe him out prematurely, but he couldn't get to him. But Jesus knew what his role was when he came into this world. He knew that he came to die. And so when the time came, after that beautiful event of him entering into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and all the hosannas, and then they celebrated the last supper together and sang a hymn, and then they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I've been to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there are still several old olive trees there that they say very, very well may date back to the time that Jesus was in that garden. And if you ever looked at them, you would understand that uh, what they're saying is very possibly true because of the old gnarled trees that are there, the old gnarled olive trees in that garden. But there... That night, after the Last Supper, Jesus went to pray. And he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. The disciples didn't understand what was going on. They had just been talking about the kingdom and where they're going to sit in the kingdom. They, they couldn't get the idea of what was about to happen. But Jesus said, wait with me. And he put them down in different places. And then he went on a stone's throw away. And he, he, the Bible says he was in the agony of death. Amen. And he prayed until his sweat became as if it were great drops of blood. What was he praying about? He was seeing that awful cup that he was going to have to drink. He was seeing a cup with the sins of the world in it. 
He was seeing a cup with nothing less than the toxin of that terrible serpent in it. And Jesus was praying, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. For God knew that the only place you were going to get the antitoxin was in that cup. That's the only way you're going to be able to make that remedy for the sin question is for Jesus to become sin and to become a curse upon the tree. And he prayed it through in the garden and then stood as they bound his hands and they led him away. They spat in his face. They struck him. This one who had never sinned, who had never done anything against anybody and no one has ever come up with any evidence to the contrary. And yet they struck him. They spat in his face. They planted a crown of thorns and shoved it into his brow, and the blood ran all over his face. And Isaiah said of him in 52 and 14, amen, that, that nobody's visage has ever been marred more than Jesus was. He started out beautiful. The Bible says at Calvary there was no beauty left in him, that we should desire him. They struck him, and then they beat his back and then laid that old cross upon his back, and Jesus staggered down the Via Della Rosa and out the Damascus Gate and on over toward Golgotha Hill, that hill that looks like a skull. And there they wrestled down two thieves and they tied their arms and they nailed them to crosses. But they didn't have to wrestle Jesus. Jesus said in John 10 and 18, No man taketh my life from me but freely I lay it down. And I can just see Jesus stepping across that big cross beam and laying himself back on the cross and stretching out his hands for the nails. And I know that it was a great hammer and great nails that drove through his hands and feet. But for the sake of this message, let me take a little liberty here that Jesus laid himself back on the cross. And then out of Hades, out of the darkest canyon of hell, comes the ugliest snake that you've ever seen and coiled himself beside the cross. And he struck once, and the lust of the flesh entered into the bloodstream of Jesus. And he struck again, and there was the lust of the eyes. And then finally that third strike that put him down was the pride of life. And the Bible says that Jesus bowed himself and gave up the ghost. But just before he died, he cried out one last thing. It is finished! Because in the bloodstream of Jesus Christ, the very blood of God had knocked out the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And there were three hanging on crosses. One was dead and two were not. And the Passover was approaching. They had to get them off the cross. And so they came with a big iron bar, and they broke the legs of the thieves on either side of Jesus. But when they came to him, they found that they did not need to break his legs. For one thing, the prophet said no bone of his would be broken. But they found he was already dead. And so a soldier took a spear and shoved it up into his precious side, perhaps into his very heart. And the blood and water came flowing out. But like the writer said, I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. Its waves which reach the throne of God are sweeping over me. Hallelujah. Sweeping over me. And so here comes the blood cascading down. And I believe in the spirit world angels came with their great bowls and they caught some of that blood and they took it to the cold cabinet of heaven because they knew someday somebody is going to go to an altar. Somebody is going to say, Lord, there's no hope for me. I'm such a sinner. But here comes the angels with the blood. And in that blood, there is a washing from every sin. In that blood, there is nothing that's ever been done that's bad enough that the blood of Jesus can't purge it. Hallelujah. There's no sin too bad. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus. There was a young black boy 
quite a few years ago now, but in my lifetime, that wrote a song. And he read it over and he thought, nah, nobody would ever sing that. He wadded it up and threw it in the trash. But his sister happened to see him do that. And after he left the room, she walked over and picked that paper out of the trash and straightened it out. And she began to read it. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. <laughs> the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. I'm glad she pulled that one out of the trash. It reaches the highest. Let's stand and sing it. The highest mountain. Oh, and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day. It's been a long time since Jesus shed that blood, but that blood has not dried away. Amen. It, it, it hasn't been lost, but it's been preserved for everyone who will come to Jesus. I'm going to give you a chance to come to this altar. And again, I want the church, amen, to be thankful to God for this precious blood that was shed for us. But if you're a sinner here today and you need to repent, Amen. Remember, amen, there is a remedy for sin. Hallelujah. It's the blood of Jesus. Just call upon him today. Well, it reaches to the highest mountain. Come right on, church. Let's come to the Lord. Bring somebody with you. Hallelujah. And it flows to the lowest Seek the Lord. Sing it, church. Well, it reaches. To the lowest valley. Aren't you thankful for that precious blood? Hallelujah. The blood that gives me strength. From day to day, it will never lose its power. Oh, Lord, I claim that blood today. I claim the blood of Jesus for all my sickness. Oh, God, all my sin, all my pain, I claim that precious blood. Hallelujah. It flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from the blood, Lord. Thank you for the blood. It
Aren't you thankful for the blood today? Aren't you thankful for the blood? That blood that washes white as snow. Oh, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Not just any blood could have provided that antitoxin. But his blood was not just blood. His blood, the apostle Peter said, was precious blood. Hallelujah. Thank God for that precious blood. There's power. Power. Wonder-working power. Hallelujah. In the blood of the Lamb. Oh, I thank God. I thank God for the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Amen. We had no hope. We had no hope. But thank God. Thank God he provided a way. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. Amen. You know, I, these Trinitarians I've been working with and former Trinitarians now, but even in Kenya, I had the opportunity to preach and just really felt impressed to the Lord to preach on the oneness of God. And I did and found out we had couple of Trinitarian preachers there in that service that day and I got to spend a little time visiting with one of those and talking to him but you know I like to tell them that really really the Trinity the doctrine of the Trinity really does not express real love it really doesn't it really doesn't the idea that God said I'm sending my son but I'm going to stay here. And then when my son is suffering and dying, I'm going to turn my back and not even look at, that's not love. I'm sorry, that's not love. I told him, I said, you, you quote John 3.16, but have you ever looked at 1 John 3.16? You ever considered what that verse has to say? Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. God didn't search through heaven trying to find someone willing to die. God didn't have to search. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was? That Word is a plan. In the beginning, in the beginning, God had a plan. And the plan was with God, and the plan was? That's the plan. God was the plan. Not sending somebody else to do it. God said, I've got the plan. I'm going to do it. But I can't do it as a spirit, so I'm going to take on flesh. And he came, and the plan, the word, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, I'm thankful for that plan. I'm thankful for that plan. I'm thankful he included me. He died for me. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. You were on his mind. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, thank you, Elder Abbott. Amen. And Sister Abbott and Danae, I tell you, they're a vital part of this ministry team, and that's obvious and evident. And we appreciate all of them, appreciate what we heard today. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, somebody's shooting at me? Amen. Just fire away. I'm ready to go. Praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, amen. Well, all right, all right. Thank God, thank God for what we've heard. I want you to be sure, I want you to be sure before tonight is over to let the abbots know what a blessing they have been to New Life Pentecostal Church. If you haven't done so already, stop by their table out in the foyer and uh, pick up 
a CD or two or three or four or however many they've got. Six. All right. Well, I didn't, I quit counting too soon. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a choice. You can either buy six or a half a dozen. I don't care which one. Praise God. But, you know, you need some good apostolic music going. You really do. You need some apostolic music going. Amen. I, I like to listen to music that I can just get lost in the Holy Ghost. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had music going, driving down the road, and the tears just start flowing, and the presence of God meet with me there. And I, you know, I, I, I can't do that with a lot of this Jesus is my boyfriend music that, that's, that's getting popular these days. But, but you, you, you give me a song that's got some meaning and a song that's got some depth to it, and, and I can just get lost in the presence of God listening to good, good music. Amen. Praise God. So I encourage you. I encourage you to go by and, and stop by and get some good apostolic music to play. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. All right. God bless you. Prayer meeting tonight, 530. Let's, let's come. Let's be here early to pray, seek the face of God. Uh, don't forget everybody everywhere all the time. Some of you already forgot. Some of you already forgot. Everybody, everywhere, all the time. Wherever you go, you're handing out church cards. You're inviting people. Amen? Amen? That's uh, not strong enough. Amen? I'm still waiting on some of you ladies to get on board. Amen? All right, all right, all right. Praise God. Let's do it.